Good Thursday. This is Ozarks at Large for March 10th, 2022. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellums. Russian President Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine has killed more than 500 civilians, triggering a mass exodus of more than 2 million refugees, according to the United Nations, with millions more internally displaced. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, U.S. and international aid groups are responding to the crisis. Among the first to respond to global conflicts is the Nobel Prize-winning nonprofit Doctors Without Borders. Founded in France, their medical teams are collaborating with Ukrainian medical providers delivering emergency aid to injured civilians. A Ukrainian charity called Sunflower of Peace is providing first aid medical tactical backpacks to physicians and paramedics serving injured Ukrainians in the field, supplied with bandages and medicines. The International Committee of the Red Cross, headquartered in Switzerland, is also on the ground supporting the work of the Ukrainian Red Cross. In the office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, also known as the UN Refugee Agency, is hard at work providing emergency cash assistance and resettlement for war-displaced Ukrainians. We'll cite a few more key charities responding to the crisis in Ukraine in need of donations in a minute, but advice from an expert on secure ways to give. My name is Molly Jensen. I'm an associate clinical professor at the Walton College of Business, and I teach in the marketing department. And um, I'm here today because I teach a class about nonprofits. Jensen says it's important to conduct background searches on nonprofits on digital sites like Charity Navigator before giving there's Charity Watch, there's GuideStar. And honestly, I just think the IRS, just go to the IRS and download the information. In the U.S., nonprofits must register for and be approved for 501c3 nonprofit IRS tax status. The Arkansas Secretary of State posts annual reports and articles of incorporation online for the public to scrutinize. When you apply for and receive 501c3 status, the exchange relationship there is you're not going to pay taxes on any income, but in exchange, you must fill out this 990 form and be transparent with where your money is and who's on your board and all of these things. For offshore charities, say in Europe and Ukraine, Jensen suggests searching the individual websites for articles of incorporation and donor expenditure records, which should be posted. All reputable U.S. charities provide donors with digital tax deduction receipts. So I caution people, make sure you know you're donating to a nonprofit if you want that tax status, right? Jensen says nonprofits allocate a portion of donations to salaries and operating costs, but some take more than others, metrics, which can also be checked out. Yes, some nonprofits have very little money going to their mission and too much to overhead, and you might want to look at salaries and things like that that might seem out of balance, and those might be nonprofits you don't want to support. Contributing to offshore charities can pose certain risks, she says. So I would say do a lot of cross-checking. Look to see these international organizations. Look, who's, who are they partnering with? You know, do they have any brand equity because they have some international star? For example, Core Response, founded by actor and activist Sean Penn. He recently was forced to flee Ukraine where he was filming a documentary. So as I witnessed to the incursion, Core Response is providing cash assistance and hygiene kits to refugees surging into Poland right now. Legitimate nonprofits in border countries are also providing aid to Ukrainians. And Jensen says some have connections in America. For example, there's one that is out of Miami that's called the Global Empowerment Mission. So it's based in Miami. You can confirm it's a 501c3, but they're sending money to Poland and they're helping refugees through Poland to get tickets and, and train tickets and passes and whatever they need to get to family members across the world. So you'll be surprised. A lot of nonprofits do international work, but are based in the United States. For those concerned about dogs, cats, and other domestic animals abandoned in Ukraine due to the war, a growing number of U.S. animal welfare nonprofits are collecting donations. 
notably positivity-based in Minnesota. In Ukraine, the nonprofit Happy Paw, with centers across the country, are working to rescue and remove animals from harm. So you find an organization that's doing work and you see their website, you feel this connection and passion. Maybe they're making sure dogs have beds, or maybe they're connecting dogs to their owners or whatever it is, right? There's always, you know, whatever the whatever it is. The best way to protect yourself, if you want to go ahead and give them money, don't click on any email links. Always give directly through their website um, and use a credit card. And then maybe you're given to a bad organization. Maybe you're not, but you're giving what you want. It's your passion and they can't take any more or drain your bank account. You have protection with a credit card. Jensen says don't ever use a debit card when making a donation to a charity, which can be hacked. And always monitor bank statements for any suspicious credit card activity. Jensen also suggests contacting religious organizations doing charitable work in Ukraine right now. You know, for example, um, Catholic chair, I'm not a Catholic, but Catholic Charities does a lot of great international work. I also think that sometimes people really want to give and they want to help, but maybe they feel hesitant or cautious about helping internationally. So what I will tell you is that donate locally. For those wishing to donate locally, Canopy Northwest Arkansas is the lead refugee resettlement agency in the state. It's partnered with the nonprofit Ozark Literacy Council, which helps to educate refugees and provide employment opportunities. We also queried Nadia Berkovich for this report, a Russian citizen and University of Arkansas Russian Studies scholar and teaching assistant professor. She suggests donating to the Ukrainian National Federal Credit Union, based in New York, which has set up a special account to aid Ukrainian armed forces in the field. Key links to all these nonprofit aid groups can be found on our news site. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. One of Arkansas's oldest buildings is now the site of a research and teaching facility. The Wilhoff House in Van Buren has been restored as a laboratory for museum professionals, archaeologists, and historians by the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith and the Arkansas Natural and Cultural Resources Council. At a ribbon cutting yesterday, Tom Wing, director of the Drennan Scott Historic Site in Van Buren, said the 19th century home preserves an important element of Arkansas history. Uh, Leonard Wilhoff was a working class man, but his story is equally significant and equally important because it tells the side of really most of us uh, that, that aren't in John Drennan's category. So, so from, a, from a history professor standpoint, uh, from an educational standpoint, I don't think we could have done any better here by being able to contrast the two, uh, two levels of social class in the, in, the, in the two houses that we have. He says the museum is scheduled to open to the public in early April. We'll have much more about the house next week on Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by Penguin Ed's Barbecue, open for curbside pickup seven days a week at Mission and Crossover in Fayetteville, and open seven days a week with dine-in, patio, and curbside pickup at the historic B&B location. PenguinEds.com for menus and more. KUAF is supported by Golan and Sharon CPAs, providing tax and accounting services to businesses and individuals. Located at 64 West Colt Square in Fayetteville. 5210451 for more information. Emerge Arkansas's deadline for their candidate boot camp, centered around training Democratic women, quickly approaches, with applications due March 15th. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith spoke with Executive Director Stephanie Lane Baker, who said that Emerge is one of the few political organizations investing in candidate diversity in the South. Emerge is a national organization with chapters in 27 states. Um, so that what that means is you have a person here on the ground who understands Arkansas, but with national resources and support as well. Um, Emerge is one of the only organizations consistently investing in the South, which is really important to me because I believe this is where we're going to make some gains and a lot of people write us off and they shouldn't. Um, so Emerge is an organization that recruits and trains women to run as Democrats in Arkansas. Stephanie, when we're looking at Emerge and the candidate boot camp training, 
Can you tell me a little bit more about this program and the importance of it? Sure. Part of what we do, like I said, is offer training. We have uh, two different training programs that would allow you to become an alumna of the Emerge Network. Um, One of those is a signature training. That's about 70 hours of training over the course of six months. That one's going to be happening in 2023. But in response to our candidate needs, we've also developed a boot camp. Um, Our boot camp is happening April 23rd through May 1st, and it is all of the same topics that we cover in our signature training, but a very fast and furious attenuated version of that. And that is to be responsive to the folks who are running right now and need a little bit of extra boost campaign knowledge to refine their campaign plan and give them the best shot at winning. When we're looking at the values for Emerge and for this boot camp, I mean, how big is that tent for Democratic women? Is it a small niche or is it bigger than what we imagine it to be? It is bigger than what we imagine it to be, for sure. Uh, So women, as you know, make up 51% of the population, but we are underrepresented in the legislature, uh, less than a quarter of women serving right now in Arkansas. Um, And I think that a representative democracy should be representative of the people that it's trying to serve. Therefore, women should have a seat at the table. Um, Specifically, we are also trying to uh, reach out to and train women from what we call the new American majority. That would be black and brown, LGBTQ+, young, unmarried, indigenous women, because we are all types of women that are represented here in Arkansas, and we should be represented in our seats of power. At this point, especially at a time when apathy is running high and it feels like we're more polarized than ever, how are you convincing people to go into politics and get involved? So honestly, I think people don't realize how much they're already doing politically. And what I'm doing is trying to go into these communities where people are already stepping up and being leaders within their community and showing them how what they're doing is already political leadership and how they can expand their voice and be a a bigger megaphone for the issues they care about on a higher level. What is Emerge looking for in candidates? What are what are the main qualities that you guys are looking for when choosing this is who we're we're going to support and train? So we do first of all, we don't endorse candidates. We recruit any woman who wants to run is welcome to apply for our program. Um, we're, we're not going to endorse monetarily or, you know, sometimes we'll have two alumna running for the same seat. We're definitely not going to choose between that. Um, we are recruiting women who embody democratic values, who embody and share our mission of equal representation um, and who will push forward policies that will help women and communities. Speaking on that representation of Emerge, I mean, are there lines to where these candidates stand? Do all female candidates have to have the same platform for, let's say, something like reproductive rights? Sure. So we want women who apply to this program to embody democratic ideals. So we will go over what the Democratic Party stands for. Um, They will have a chance to, to read the Democratic platform and make sure that they agree with those things. There is no litmus test per se. So people don't have to have the exact same lines. But we have to value uh, human rights, human integrity. Ones. Yes, yes, the big ones. Um, and and that's not to say that we only uh, train partisan candidates. So these women that we're training will embody democratic ideals, but they could run for city council or school board, nonpartisan positions as well. You know, Emerge Arkansas is investing here in Arkansas, doing the groundwork 365 days a year. We're not working from election cycle to election cycle. We're here for the long haul. So yes, we want to make gains in this 2022 cycle, but we're also building for future capacity. And we also teach our women to lift as they climb. So as they vacate a position, we're pulling another woman up right behind us to come and fill that position as well. So what we're doing is really a fresh approach to underrepresentation by building the pool of qualified women who can run stellar campaigns. Um, And I will say... uh, uh, on average, uh, depending on which study you read, 10 to 20 percent of first-time candidates win. And when you look at our emerge pool in 2021, 59 percent of our first-time candidates won their races. Those are those are good numbers. Yeah, the numbers <laughs> speak for themselves. It's an excellent training program. I myself went through the boot camp in 2019. I'm I'm honored to be uh, an emerge alumna, and that's the other wonderful thing I love about this is it is a network. We are building camaraderie. We can talk with each other. We can uh, commiserate if we need to, invent. We can celebrate each other. And there's always continuing education opportunities as we go forward. Stephanie Baker, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith spoke to Emerge Arkansas Executive Director Stephanie Lane Baker inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Applications for the virtual boot camp are due March 15th and can be found online at EmergeAmerica.org. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Earlier this week, news that will resonate in the Arkansas legal community. Little Rock-based business law practice Rose Law Firm will acquire Smith Hurst, a regional business law and private wealth law firm with seven attorneys in Rogers. That merger is effective April 1st and give Rose 37 attorneys in offices in Little Rock, Fayetteville, and Rogers. Coming up on today's show, we will discuss the details with David Mitchell, Rose Law Firm's managing partner. Plus, it was another record lending year for the state's largest bank. We will have a rundown of the numbers from Arvest Bank. And the annual Arkansas Governor's Cup Collegiate Business Plan competition is coming to Northwest Arkansas for the first time. Those stories are on the way next on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Founded in 1820, 16 years before Arkansas became a state, Little Rock's Rose Law Firm is the oldest business in Arkansas and the oldest law firm west of the Mississippi River. The company established its first satellite office in 2017 in downtown Fayetteville. This week, details emerged of another Northwest Arkansas expansion with the acquisition of Smith Hurst, a regional business law and private wealth law firm in Rogers. That deal is effective April 1st. Jim Smith will transition to an of-counsel role with Rose, and Rebecca Hurst will oversee the two Northwest Arkansas locations. Here is Rose Law Firm managing partner David Mitchell with more details about the expansion. With Smith Hurst, he says there's not a more sophisticated business law firm in Northwest Arkansas. We couldn't be more excited about uh, this deal and the combination of you know our two great law firms. We have a uh, professional history uh, in terms of our lawyers frequently working with uh, the Smithhurst attorneys. You know, over the last uh, you know really since Smithhurst probably's formation in terms of our uh, tax and transactional attorneys have uh, just frequently, you know, had the opportunity to work with the Smith-Hurst team. And so there was a a foundation there and I think a mutual respect there uh, that already existed between the firms before any, you know, any discussions about uh, the joinder or combination of the firms took place that really laid the the framework uh, for this and, and for the opportunity. Uh, and so we, um, it, it's hard to identify, I think, a specific you know, instance of, you know, when did we get the ball rolling on this? Just because I think this has been something that's really been, uh, you know, building for, for a number of years and, of course, culminating uh, culminating now uh, with a April 1 effective date. Yeah, about that. And just, you know, you guys have had the Fayetteville uh, shingle hung in downtown Fayetteville for a few years now. What told you specifically maybe that you wanted Rose Law Firm or maybe that you needed to expand operations, expand services in Northwest Arkansas? I mean, Northwest Arkansas is is obviously experiencing tremendous growth and there's tremendous, you know, business uh, development and opportunity in Northwest Arkansas and, and particularly, you know, in, in Benton County and, and you know, north of Fayetteville. And so 
we have found just over the years that we were having uh, more and more opportunities to assist clients in that part of the state and needed and wanted to uh, continue to uh, expand on our ability, you know, to do that and to provide the, you know, the high-level legal service that we uh, that we expect. And the the Smithhurst team, uh, I don't think there is probably a, you know, a better or stronger, uh, sophisticated business law firm in Northwest Arkansas. And so the opportunity to uh, join forces with them. Uh, and uh, just continue to further expand, you know, the the offerings of the Rose Law Firm and our depth and expertise uh, in Northwest Arkansas is just a tremendous opportunity that I think, you know, I think for both the Smithhurst uh, attorneys and the Rose Law Firm attorneys. And so, so we're real excited to be able to to do that and to do that together and jointly service uh, the firm's clients. Yeah, yeah. How excited are you to have Rebecca Hurst uh, going to lead your two Northwest Arkansas offices uh, going forward, starting April first? Uh, couldn't be more excited, Paul. Rebecca is not only a phenomenal attorney, uh, but has built, along with with Jim Smith, just a tremendous practice uh, in Northwest Arkansas. They have uh, some tremendous, very talented younger attorneys. Uh, that, that are with them that we're excited will be uh, joining the Rose Law Firm as well uh, and really look forward to Rebecca's leadership uh, in Northwest Arkansas where she will, she'll be uh, serving as the uh, member in charge of the Northwest Arkansas offices and she'll also be joining uh, the executive committee of the Rose Law Firm and, and so we, we couldn't be more excited to have her uh, on the team and to have her leadership uh, in Northwest Arkansas. So the word, um, you know, merger can mean different things to different people when they see that and hear news like this. And um, I'm not a lawyer, but you are. But if I was a lawyer, I would imagine that client service is always the top of mind for a law office, right? The client, the client, the client. So on that subject, what are the um, maybe the, the challenges that a merger presents just in terms of you're making sure you give the best information to your clients, business clients and individuals about what this means this merger means and also what it does not mean? Sure. So <clears throat> I think that, that the, the joining of our uh, forces uh, will just expand the ability of, of uh, all of us, both the Smithhurst uh, former attorneys that will be joining the Rose Law Firm and, and the Rose Law Firm team to provide uh, the exceptional service that our clients uh, have come to expect from us, and that we uh, that we provide. Uh, in terms of you know working through the challenges uh, of you know joining two uh, you know existing high level law firms like like what we're doing here, I think that the key is uh, just communication. Uh, we we really are, are intent and, and uh, on fully integrating the Smithhurst uh, team into the Rose Law Firm team. And uh, again, as I said earlier, our firms have a lot of history together, and so there are relationships already in place that that will make that much easier uh, uh, to do um, and, and give us the opportunity just to continue to build on the client service that the you know Smithhurst clients and the Rose Law Firm. Uh, clients have uh, have come to expect. That is David Mitchell, managing partner of Rose Law Firm. You can read more about the merger with Rogers Law Firm Smith Hurst at nwabusinessjournal.com. Fayetteville chartered Arvest Bank. That's the state's largest bank with $26.1 billion in assets. Originated record mortgage volume for the third straight year. Bank officials said total 2021 mortgage loan volume of more than $4.77 billion eclipsed the previous record of $4.68 billion set in 2020. The bank's total mortgage loan volume in 2019 was $2.8 billion, so a two-year growth of about 70%. And Little Rock-based nonprofit Arkansas Capital Corp announced Monday the 12 finalists for its annual Arkansas Governor's Cup Collegiate Business Plan competition. Half of those teams will ultimately share a $100,000 cash prize pool. 
The 22nd Annual Awards Luncheon is on March 31st at 11.30 a.m. at the Embassy Suites in Rogers. It will be the first time the awards luncheon will be held in Northwest Arkansas. The Arkansas Capital Corporation has managed the Governor's Cup since the first competition in 2001. You can learn more at arcapital.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Timothy Dennis. Let's talk some live music, Timothy. So let's start with tonight. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. They're going to have a Texas-based country band by the name of Grady Spencer and the Work. Tickets for that show are $12. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tonight. Again, that's at George's Majestic Lounge in downtown Fayetteville. Tomorrow night, Friday night, George's is going to have an evening of some of your favorite hits that you've heard on the radio in the past 30 years. Their happy hour band is going to be Full House. Okay. Cover for that is $8, gets underway at 6 o'clock. And then the evening show tomorrow night at George's is going to be the mixtapes. Oh, okay. Uh, cover for that show is $15. That second set gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night at George's in Fayetteville. 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville tomorrow night is going to have some East Texas country, courtesy of the David Baxter Band. Thought I'd say a little prayer to Jesus, but I didn't know what to say. So I broke it down like a country song, saying please forgive me today. And get me back. We're bringing all of Texas up here. Oh, just wait, Kyle. Okay. That's just all the right. beginning of the weekend. Okay, all right. That show with the David Baxter Band gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Going over to Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have Rack and Sack on stage. They're kind of a local blues and rock band. Cover for that show is $5. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night at Chelsea's over in Eureka Springs. Down in the River Valley, Temple Live at Fort Smith is going to have Ray Wiley Hubbard on stage. Strap them kids and give them a little bit of vodka and a chair of coke. We're going to Oklahoma to the family reunion for the first time in years. It's up at Uncle Slayton causes getting on in years, you know. And this was a show that I think got postponed once because of maybe weather? Weather or COVID, it's kind of hard to say at this point, but it is happening as of right now, provided the skies don't open tomorrow. Although, the last time I looked at the forecast for the River Valley, I think it was rain. Right, right, because it's always a little bit warmer down there, so that makes sense. Tickets for that show with Ray Wiley Hubbard start at $29. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Still in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Majestic is going to have Tanner Ussery on stage. More Texas country music. Uh, Tickets for that show are $15. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night at the Majestic in Fort Smith. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday night, JJ's Live in Fayetteville is going to have Chase Rice on stage. Chase Rice. Uh, modern country music from North Carolina. Think pop music with a little bit of twang. Like pop music with a little bit of play. <laughs> Tickets for that show start at thirty dollars. That's at seven thirty Saturday night again at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. 
Georgia's in Fayetteville Saturday night is going to have Colby Cooper on stage, yet another Texas-based yep. country singer. Tickets for that show are $22 in advance, $25 on Saturday. That'll get underway at 8.30 Saturday night, again at Georgia's in Fayetteville. To be fair, there are many women and men in Texas who play Americana, folk, and country music. And there are many men and women from Texas living in Fayetteville. Well, that is correct. <laughs> Moving on, Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville is going to have a rock and roll show okay. featuring the Cole Birmingham Band, Sam Albright and the Southern Heat, and Nikki Griffin. for that show is $7. That'll get underway at 8 o'clock Saturday night at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Happening up in Bentonville Saturday night, it's the next concert, the second concert in a series of shows uh, put on by Black Fret and the House of Songs. And if you want to know more about that, stay tuned for just a few more minutes. Yes. Briefly, though, featured at this concert, it's taking place at 21C Museum Hotel. They're going to feature Bang Mm -hmm. and Shayna Shepard. It is free to attend. Uh, They do ask that you RSVP. You can do that through Eventbrite or through the event page on Facebook. But that show gets underway at 9 o'clock again Saturday night at 21C Museum Hotel in Bentonville. Moving over to Eureka Springs, the Gravel Bar is going to have Brick Fields on stage Saturday night. Great local blues singer. Yeah. Uh, That show gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. And then Got a Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs Saturday is going to have Mick Bird on stage. He's a Missouri-based blues artist. The world just keeps on spinning, keeps on spinning around. That show gets underway a little bit earlier at 5 o'clock. Again, that's at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. And I guess we should put that caveat out, depending on what happens Friday right, and where it happens. Right, right, right. And who's traveling from where. Obviously, check these shows yeah. before you go out, because it being March in Arkansas, you, you never know what's going to happen. Moving ahead to Sunday, still at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs, they're going to have Del Kellison on their stage. It's going to be what they have billed an afternoon of Bob Dylan music. Mm. So he's just going to play good old Bob Dylan songs. They got a few thousand to pick from. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, It being daylight savings time, that five o'clock show will be nice and well lit, provided the skies are not cloudy. And again, that is at Gotta Hold Brewing Sunday afternoon in Eureka Springs. Tuesday, in Fayetteville, JJ's Live is going to have 311 on stage. Uh, tickets for that show start at 49.50, gets underway at 7.30 Tuesday night at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. And then finally, one more show to talk about. Wednesday evening, George's in Fayetteville is going to have kind of a hard rock show featuring Stepmom, Modeling, and Witch Sister. Oh! Yeah, a little bit of synthy, a little bit of heavy rock. I mean, it should be a good show. Cover for that is $10. That gets underway at 8.30 next Wednesday at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. And speaking of modeling... They're going to be here at the Carver Center for Public Radio a week from tomorrow. That's right. Part the the next lunch hour, and you can find out much more about that. Uh, We'll have food as Mm -hmm. well. It's limited space. Mass recommended. And you can find out more at KUF.com. And at our Facebook page as well. And I'll leave it there since the next thing.
This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. March was designated by the United States Congress in 1987 as Women's History Month, a dedicated month to reflect on the often overlooked contributions of women to United States history. Since 2019, the University of Arkansas Department of Music has been presenting the She Festival of Women in Music, highlighting the major role that women have played in music and recognizing women across the field with an array of music featuring women composers and performers. This year, the two main composers visiting the university community virtually as part of this celebration are Chichun Chisun Lee and Johanny Navarro. We open Sound Perimeter today with Divergence and Convergence for Solo Trombone by Taiwanese-American composer Chichun Chisun Lee. Chichun Lee a composer who writes classical music for Western and Asian instruments, conceived this work as a testament of the contradictions and life changes brought to light by the pandemic, but that go beyond these times reflecting other realities. She says about her piece, quote, the many issues and political decisions address divergences and convergences, either directly or indirectly, causing a great impact among everyone. The piece reflects these situations, bifurcations, concurrences, antagonism, and devastations. End quote. When listening, pay attention to those unusual extremes, colors, and effects in the trombone reflecting those realities. <laughs> Composer Chichun Chisun Lee excerpt from her solo trombone piece Divergence and Convergence, performed by Dirk Amrain on a live recording from earlier this year in Switzerland. Johanny Navarro is a Puerto Rican composer whose varied music is deeply rooted in Caribbean musical aesthetics and Puerto Rican musical culture. Her work has been presented in Puerto Rico. Cuba, Mexico, United States, Spain, and France, and she has been commissioned by celebrated soloists. Johanny Navarro wrote Vaivén, 
swaying for flute and violin as a short piece that explores the rhythms and structures from Caribbean music. These rhythms, such as bomba, plena, rumba, son, merengue, and reggaeton, are carefully combined to converge in a unique expression of El Caribe and her Puerto Rican identity and culture, a mix of Taino, African, and Spaniard cultures. When listening to Vaivén, watch for the unexpected changes and the way these two musicians interact through music, rhythm, and conversation. of the music we listen to, we learn, we teach, appreciate, love, and crave, My World by Default, as a classically trained musician, is comprised of 500 years of compositions written almost exclusively by white men, a practice that reinforces stereotypes about what a composer should look like and whose culture classical music celebrates. Today, in Sound Perimeter, we challenge this one-sided view by bringing awareness to the work of women composers Chichun Chisun Lee and Johanny Navarro and celebrating the advocacy of the University of Arkansas Music Department faculty leading the She Festival of Women in Music this year. Doctors Teresa de la Plain, Miroslava Panayotova, Kim Hyun, and Katie Halbert. Learn more about our future composers and the She Festival of Women in Music program in our show notes and join us celebrating women this month and all year long by embracing the contributions of women and of black, mixed race, non-male composers, conductors, performers, art leaders and educators and demanding change and progress in our musical worlds. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon.
The idea of patronage has worked with music for centuries, from Beethoven to current-day orchestras. It's also being used by a group called Black Fret in Austin, Seattle, Colorado. And now Black Fret is collaborating with the Bentonville chapter of House of Songs to give the idea a trial run here. Last week, Black Fret CEO Colin Kendrick and House of Songs director of programming Graham Weber came to our studio to discuss how the program works. Colin Kendrick says the basic concept is local music fans supporting local music. We started with the recognition that popular local music, just like the symphony and the opera, should be eligible for community support. Uh, and then we started thinking about what are the strengths and weaknesses of the symphony and opera model. It's basically a patronage model, uh, and we've evolved from that. And so the model is based on patrons who contribute $750 annually. In return, they go to more than a show a month. Um, and they enjoy these sort of small, intimate, private concerts. And that's married to a selection and nomination process where you're, you're participating in a year-long process to pick bands that you admire and respect and to provide them with capital to help them record new music and to get out on tour. Well, let's talk about how the Northwest Arkansas component comes in here. Well, uh, Colin became came to us and, and had... Uh, been approached with an opportunity to start a pilot program, and we're testing the waters up here in NWA. Since we have this previous relationship um, for many, many years, at the House of Songs, we work with so many NWA artists. And one of the components of this series that we're doing right now, and to get them familiar, get local artists familiar with Black Fret, is to include them on these performances. So. Uh, what we've done is we've looked at acts from Austin and Seattle that were previous recipients of grant money from Black Fret. And then these shows are presented with them coming into NWA and then curating local talent to be on those shows to get them both familiar with the Black Fret model, people that we've worked with at House of Songs before, but also ones that we've identified as those that are working really hard, uh, have a lot of talent, and I think would really benefit from being involved with Black Fret. What I love is it's not just a, a wide swath of types of artists, of age of artists, but the venues. The, the, this initial, it's six shows at six different places. It's a gypsy model. And, yeah. and you know, I was talking about the, we look at the strengths and weaknesses of the symphony and opera model, and they're not universally, but I want to be careful, but they're they're struggling frequently with significant depreciable assets that they have to maintain. And and the strength of our model, particularly in a place like Austin, is there are lots and lots of venues that we have a good relationship with that accommodate larger crowds. And we're very focused on delivering small, intimate shows, but in a way that then makes those artists also available to those venues. It also allows, I'm sure this is by design, exposure to different kinds of music because you've got Willie Carlisle as part of the Friday, April 1st. We know Willie. He, I guess, would be described generally as a folk artist. Next, on April 8th, you've got local artist Bang and my coworker here at KUAF, Jasper Logan, who are hip-hop artists. So ideally, if you're a patron, you're going to get Willie and folk music one week, one month, and then you get Bang and Jasper the next. We deliberately program uh, multiple genres in every bill, right? And so, you know... The bands are all exceptional. They're all amazing. If you're not into the genre, you may not love the show, but you will absolutely recognize the artistic excellence, right? And it's that ability to get the variety and, and frankly, to learn about what's around you because all of us grow older and it's just harder and harder to get out into the clubs, right? And this is very much uh, – someone, someone jokingly referred to this as the fantasy football of local music. I love that. Yeah, it's good. What time do the shows start? Doors are at 7. It's a general rule across the board for the next three months. There'll be uh, doors at 7, shows start at 8. Uh, and they end by 10. The, you know, the beauty, having observed this and been a part of Black Fret myself in, in Austin as an artist, um, the, the demographic, the people are all interested in music. They're there to go hear new things. Uh, but also, it does allow you to go to a curated event. It, it's a good service for the artists participating, where they will get a crowd that is there to listen and um it's also a fun time they're all nice people in my experience so I, we're here doing a pilot program right so we're bringing in bands and marrying from black Fret chapters and marrying them up with exceptional local talent and putting on shows 
we're also looking to see if there's demand for what we do and whether or not we can find a hundred local. The tagline here is patrons of local music. Mm-hmm. If we can find a hundred people that will just pledge, we're not asking for any money, but just say, I would like this. I would like to go to monthly concerts that raise money that support local acts. If we can get to a hundred people, we're going to look real hard at coming up here. We would very much like to be in this region on a permanent basis. And, and the reason is that we're in Seattle, we're in Austin, we're now in Colorado, we're looking into Nashville, and we're trying to find a way to link these communities together to create profitable tour routes for bands. It's been a rough two years for live music, for venue owners, for musicians, performers, fans who like it. I wonder if there's this sort of reverse silver lining um, benefit to doing this now after two years of kind of forced hibernation. There are people ready for live music. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're seeing it in Austin. I mean, our our membership is jumping up rapidly. Um, We're back to pre-pandemic levels already. In fact, we've never we've never lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've the concept is so simple, but it's just it's just it's the why would you not pay fifty dollars a month to participate in this kind of thing, right? I'm wondering when you started this, and like you said, it sounds logical. It sounds simple. Was it that easy? Did everyone believe in this model? Oh no, 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 (laughs) no. I mean, this is our. I think our eighth season in Austin as an organization. Um, no, not at all. And we started at a much higher price point, frankly. We were at $1,500 for a membership, uh, and we subsequently realized we were doing a lot of silly things, right? Um, but we've now proved it, and we've proved it in Austin over and over and over again, and we've proved it in Seattle, and we're hoping Colorado is going to be giving out our first round of grants there in no time at all. How do those grants, how does that work for the artists when you receive the grant? So uh, they're nominated. Once they're nominated, they know they're going to get a grant. They just don't know the dollar amount. So they get nominated. And we have two main seasons, which is consideration season and listening season. In consideration season, the shows are a little larger and there are more bands playing for a shorter period of time. Sort of a showcase. Exactly. Right. And the whole idea is to educate our population of voters about what's out there and what's happening. And then there's a voting process that makes a short list of 20 bands in Austin, 10 in Seattle. Um, and then each of those bands will perform throughout the season in a couple private events, right, where you can get to go see them and meet them and know what's going on. Uh, and then there's a vote to allocate grant dollars. So everybody knows right up front they're getting significant money. The grants in Austin last year, the small grants were $12,000. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. Yeah, not bad. Not insignificant. Yeah, no. I mean, overall, this model has allowed us to give $2.5 million to bands in Austin in the last – seven years, right? And another $1.5 million to local music businesses, including clubs. Colin Kendrick is the CEO of Austin-based Black Fret. Graham Weber, the director of programming for the Bentonville chapter of House of Songs. They came to the Carver Center for Public Radio last week. You can find out more about the pilot run of Black Fret in Northwest Arkansas at blackfret.org. Next concert, Saturday night at 21C in Bentonville, serving as the after party for NWA Fashion Week. More concerts at venues across the region through May 14th, featuring local and visiting artists. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Greenacre Easy Living, a small assisted living located in Rogers and serving the elderly of Arkansas under the same ownership since 1992. 631-1552 or GreenacreEasyLiving.com for more information. This is 91.3 FM, KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Van Buren, and Hazel Valley. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas, and Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Contributors to today's show included Jacqueline Froelich, Rachel Sanchez-Smith, Kyle Kellams, and Daniel Carruth. Sound Perimeter is produced by Leo Uribe and myself, Timothy Dennis. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling is produced by Stephanie Brock and comes to us through our partnership with Talk Business and Politics. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah and is written and performed by Daryl Sean. We will be back with you again tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. with another brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. Until then, please be well.